You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome back. It is 2023. Penny here with Hugh. Next to me. Good morning, Hugh. Morning, Pen. What are we going to talk about? Nothing's happened. Uh, seriously? No, it's been right. the shortest break in a few years uh, for us. There's a lot that's happened in that short break. I can't, I can't think of anything. What, what happened? Um, <laughs> the world's greatest footballer passed on. He did indeed. Yeah. Lionel Messi? When? No. Oh, the other one. Ronaldo. Uh, no, no, the other one. Oh, damn it. Gianluca Vialli. Yeah, poor man. I mean... Talk yeah, about so unifying everybody. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we say sometimes that football can, oh, like, yeah. do crazy things, but yep. uh, there's some things that bring us all together and the the significance of Pelé yes. and the knowingness that he was one of the best and an ambassador brought us all together. We all knew who That's he right. was. That's right. I was going to wear my uh, Nazzle New York Cot... The NASL, the North American Soccer League, Nazzle. Okay. Uh, New York Cosmos shirt. I've got yes. my Pelé shirt. Nice. Your right. wardrobe must be huge. Every time I've yep. seen you wear a different soccer shirt. Uh, you haven't seen this one before? I know that's a nice one. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I've got the uh, the Black Stars Ghana shirt on, the national shirt. It's my summer shirt. Because very, it's got very summer looking. Very ventilated. Mm-hmm. And the African Cup of Nations is going on at the moment. The qualifying there. We'll talk about that one maybe. Depend, uh, if we can squeeze if we, it If in. we can fit it in because not much has happened. Yeah, no, Pele, one of the one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I mean, he was named FIFA's Player of the Century for the 20th Century. So that says a lot because there was a few players you can pick there. You know, Jules Fontaine, 13 goals in the World Cup. But Pelé, the only three-time winner of the World Cup, quite rightly in my, in my opinion, lauded as the greatest player of the 20th century. Yes, and it is interesting that in our time mm-hmm. we have had some amazing footballers, yep. Maradona, Ronaldo, several of them. Several um, of them, yeah. Uh, well, I me- like the Brazilian Ronaldo more Messi, than the other one. Uh, and... In that same space, they yeah. have 
just been fantastic. And then in another generation, yeah. someone will remember different yeah. fantastic Zidane, we didn't mention Zidane, Platini, uh, Le- Lev Yashin, you know, Gordon Banks. Absolutely. You know, we I'm can sure go through the... remember him. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course you do. Yeah. As a keeper, anyone who yeah. did... Gordon, Gordon who? <laughs> so... We are back every We're Saturday back. from 10 to 12, talking yep. football. Our team this year is the usual team, the superstar yeah, team. They, of they couldn't get rid of me. Sorry, guys. Hugh, Sean, Pete and myself <laughs> and a whole lot of new mm. guests and the usuals as well. Yep. So thank you for joining us. Our website is maintained by Nick Templeman, Miranda's dad, and the yes. Facebook page is there for you to share your news, so please go ahead and do There's it. There's another one that happened. Miranda got, got first team football. Yeah. Progress. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? All That's that hard sensational. work. Sensational. Yep, yep. And we were talking about uh, journey people before and and uh, for me uh, it comes from stability and growth and and Hugh says, well, you're only playing football for a short right. time. You yeah, just yeah. take the opportunities as they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm, that, yeah, one of the person people I mentioned was Ange Postacoglu, exactly what he said. Yeah. And that, that's why the likelihood of Ange coming back to Australia, whether as a national coach or, or, or as a one. club coach, um, he said, no, I'm, I'm travelling the world. Yep. You know, and he's... Yeah. Yep. Doing real well. Well, look, I think if we had Paul Wade on the show, he'd probably agree. Oh, Paul Wade had, again. I had this conversation Captain with Socceroo. Paul many, yeah. many, many years ago where he's like, if a footballer can take the money that's offered, and it's a lot of money, you take it because oh, you don't play football forever. Without a doubt. I mean, Penn, you and I, if uh, if a unknown radio station came in and said, we want the whole show lock, stock and barrel, and here's a truckload, um, we'd probably think, for how long? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the guest list today includes Jamie Harnwell, the yes. CEO for Football West, Tacky Nicolades from Mum FC, mm-hmm. State League coach. Night series is coming up. Yes. Ben Smith, WA News, talk about Perth Glory Men and Women. Simon Hill from Paramount Plus, our number one match reporter for Australia as far yep. as I'm concerned. We'll chat about... Superior ambassador over in the eastern states. Love Simon. <laughs> Love Simon. Everybody loves Simon. He's uh, willing to, to chat about anything. And yeah. what I do like about Simon is when we first uh, talked to him on the show, I don't know, decades ago, <clears throat> I think it was with SBS way back then, um, that it wasn't about women's football. It was not in the conversation. No. And now everybody can talk about women's football yep. because there's more profile, there's more coverage in free to air and mm-hmm. in, uh, paid and commercial streaming services. Um, and I was looking through some of the audio in the off-break and some of the audio that I had was about give us some recognition. That's right. Give us some recognition. But then we've gone through professional leagues, uh, more professional leagues, more money, more profile, great sponsors, World Cup games at a filling stadium. Yep. Um, half a million tickets being sold. That's for right. The World no, Cup I, we had that just discussion before while we were playing crazy. the show, and I went, "Why would they change the stadium?" And, and I ripped. Once I did a bit of research, they changed it to a bigger stadium, and that was one of the issues they had with the uh, the Euros in England. That some of the stadiums that they picked, like um, um, Brentford Stadium, it's a new stadium, but they were they were small capacities. And once they realised the ticket sales, they went, "Oh my goodness, we could have filled." this stadium eight times over for the same game. And I thought it was a, a bit of a, a reactionary move to change the stadium. But once I realised that it was due to the public demand yep. it, to move it to a you know, the biggest stadium that we have, I thought, well, that's, that's just amazing. But yep. Yep. is it the other side of that coin where the foresight was we didn't think we could sell out that, uh, that stadium and we should have booked the, the biggest stadium in the first place? Uh, but by public demand, if the public demand is good, 
Yep. And it equals more people being exposed yeah, yeah. to the game that we want. That That's a good thing. Oh, like people good speak thing. and, and yeah. we listen. No, I, I speak to um, sports people of other sports about, oh, yeah, the World Cup, it's not going to be that big. It's not, you've no idea. The world is coming. It's not like the Cricket World Cup where eight or nine nations are coming. It's not like the Rugby World Cup where maybe 12 to 15 nations. No, no, the whole world is coming to our country and it well, and New Zealand. Sorry, uh, yes. my Kiwi friends. Absolutely. It's going to be huge. We, the, the general public in this country have absolutely no idea with what's coming. With that passion with which you're transmitting, I, I hope it really does oh, transmit around the nation. I've yet to see that. So We saw that in France, the, the, the last tournament. The, I mean, the French... Uh, Again, the French went, oh, we've hosted a World Cup. Yeah, what, what's the big deal? And then the French realised when the Women's World Cup turned up, they went, oh, my goodness, we, we didn't expect this. What are you, you're kidding me? It's the World Cup. It's an interesting time of year for us, isn't it? We've had the, the Men's World Cup mm-hmm. and then we've got a new season starting, so registrations can kick in yep, from this point right. with, with a new season. The Women's World Cup lands in July, August, which is towards the end of our domestic it's season. It's unlikely. Yeah, so the, I think that Football Australia... And all of us are going to have to do a bit of work from that point to the end of the season and then to the beginning of the season. You know, trials, publicity, yep. making the most of all the investors yep. and so forth. We're going to move on because we are going to have do. a chat yes, to, we to do. Jamie. But thank you, everyone, for listening in. This is yes. the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle. We do stream, so you can hop onto your streaming mm-hmm. services via our World Football Program website. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening in. And thank you to our partners this year. Same at Trio again, which is... Futsal WA and the main man, Greg Farrell. And good luck to Greg and all the teams from WA yep. over at the National Championships yeah, yeah. finals weekend. I don't think the women have lost a game yet, so good luck to all of them. We'll catch up with Greg in the very near future when he's back from his travels. Gate and Fence Hardware WA and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Thank you very much. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course, until 12. Back soon. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Oh, don't relax, I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Rotine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now I believe he's gonna work me into the ground. I pull to the left, I keep to the right. I ought to kill him, but it wouldn't be right. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels, all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you.
Welcome back to the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Your football team for the year is Penn, Hugh, Pete and Sean and a whole stack of guests, mm. including the CEO of Football West, Jamie Hanwell. Good morning and Happy New Year, Jamie. Thanks very much, Benny. It's uh, good morning. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope uh, they enjoyed a, a very uh, peaceful one. To, uh, and as we spoke off there, the calm before the storm of the uh, <laughs> WA football season starting again. Absolutely. You've got to myself and Hugh having a chat to you for the next few minutes or so. So what's top of the agenda for Football West in that calm space? Look, the, the team's done a huge amount of work in, uh, in terms of planning for the season. We're obviously rolling out a new competition management system, um, which should make things much, much easier for pretty much everyone involved in the game, uh, we're hoping. So a few training sessions the like uh, will be upcoming shortly for that. Uh, and we'll soon be opening up our nominations for um, community grassroots uh, Metro Masters teams. So there'll be a very sharp influx of, uh, of questions and comments and workload for the team. And we're looking forward to, to getting started and putting out a, another successful season for us. What about uh, on the community side of things, the, the non-competitions, any change of faces in community liaisons, club roles, etc., and programs that are happening? Look, there's, uh, there's a heap of stuff that we, uh, we're we starting to roll out now, hopefully with a little bit uh, cooler weather than what we're experiencing <laughs> at the moment. But uh, had a, a mini ruse program up uh, run in conjunction with Westside Kingsley. Uh, sorry, Kingsley Westside. I've got to get that right. Yep. Um, uh, and that was done during the week with our participation officer, Morgan Hughes, and I think there's around 70, 80 kids um, per day up there. Um, we're just about to start all of our regional programming again. We've got a... A new Pilbara regional officer, which is great. We'll soon uh, be able to announce one out in the goldfields as well. So uh, everything's just ticking along quite nicely. Um, Coach education will be kicking off soon. And we had our referee seminar, first referee seminar last week, which had over 170 people, uh, referees attend, which is uh, a fantastic achievement and, and certainly up on previous years. Yeah, well, wow. yeah. that's good numbers. Um, yeah. What about uh, in the community area? Is Has a, a bid left Football West for FIFA? He has been seconded to uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup. There's a, a great opportunity as a um, workforce manager here based in Perth looking after the, the multitude of volunteers that will be uh, required wow. to, to assist all across the training cycle and like. Um, so we've been uh, very fortunate able to replace him with uh, Bianca Glanville who's been his uh, understudy over the past 18 months or so. So Bianca's been heavily involved in the, the club space uh, and will help roll out the new uh, FA club development program, um, game plan, which is online um, one that clubs can go through and uh, do modules, which will help them then gain rankings and uh, in the future some, um, hopefully some prizes and, and bits and pieces for doing so. And that has a, a really heavily uh, slant on female football. So it's uh, great to have Bianca, who was a Ellenbrook junior, I think, um, if I remember rightly from when I was talking to her. So uh, while a bid uh, will be a huge loss in the, in the coming months, we're very very lucky to have Bianca to step into Billy's shoes. Yep. Post-World Cup, is he going to land back in the Football West space? Is that the plan? That's the plan, absolutely. Unless uh, yeah, unless <laughs> have, have bigger plans for him. But no, we, we know uh, Bid's a fantastic operator. He's a great person to have around. And yes. um, we, we, we can't wait to see the great work he's going to do. But um, we certainly hope that uh, he sees his future back with Football West and continues to build... Uh, on everything that's been done so far. Yeah, I think that there's a congratulations to Football West here. Yeah. In the community space, you, you land some pretty fantastic personalities. Like uh, Gordon uh, Juice was fantastic uh, along the lines there as well and a, a bit very sociable networking creatures are just what you want in that space. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's been a real, uh, I suppose, conscious change of how we've operated. And obviously, Gordon previously through a lot of inclusion programs and the like. Um, but we, you know, we really recognised that uh, we had to be more um, out and about with the clubs. We, we wanted to make sure that we met out on their terms, on their ground, in their clubhouses to to recognise the issues and the problems they may have and, and what support we can provide. And, and a bit has certainly done a great job of that. Um, Perry Elarty, our, our football GM, has been great at that. Dan Israel, we've, um, we've really got some, some good people uh, working across the business now. And what about the operating systems for registering for teams, et cetera, players, whatever? Is that platform changing or it's life as per normal? Uh, for player registrations and uh, referee coach registrations, that's still through Play Football. Um, football Australia working on a new system that will be piloted um, through this year in Victoria and Queensland, and, and hopefully, all being well, be rolled out in, in 2024. Um, our big work, as I said, is, is through our new competition management system, making sure uh, Play Football and, uh, and Squatty talk to each other, and uh, there's no discrepancies there but but as i said we're we're really happy uh, with squatty it's, it's an app that can be used for communication for a whole range of of different things and we think people really see the value in in us changing to the new system okay and the upcoming competitions are the night series first one off the rank yes uh men's npl night series starting next weekend uh men's state league i think a week after that and then the uh the npl women's and uh, women's divisions um, soon after. Obviously, they're, they're offset a little bit because of the, the A-League women's competition mm-hmm. and the, the um, sharing of players between that and the, the women's MPL. But, um, yeah, really excited to see how that's going to go. Obviously, a big push uh, in the last 18 months or so towards more uh, professional player contracts through the MPL and State League, and, and our clubs have really jumped on board that, and that's a, a great step forward, I think, for the game. Um, and then... You know, on the field, I haven't really had a chance to catch up with the, the transfers and uh, the different uh, movements between the clubs. So yeah. it'll be really interesting once uh, once those squads are finalised and published to see where, where the different players have landed and see you know, who will be the uh, the contenders for this coming year. Is there is there actually a place where they publish that, like uh, transfers and things like that? I've never known that to happen. It's usually just... Uh, Speak to someone who has the intel and they do some investigating and then we have them on air and they have a chat about it. <laughs> yeah, clubs are getting uh, much, you know, a lot better at um, their social media good. profiles yes. and their use and, and some, some really good um, really good examples of that that are out there and, and it's, you know, a bit of excitement for the, for the supporters, for the members to see who has been brought in. Um, you know, there's always some visa players with some really interesting backgrounds and, and we try and support that and capture that uh, as best we can. Uh, and obviously, with um, the MPL clubs uh, having to submit a roster, we you know get a fairly good uh, understanding of what those what those movements are, and, and try and promote those uh, if they haven't already been um, done so by the clubs themselves. Yep. And with the um, Football Australia Cup coming up, Jamie, the registrations for that for clubs is uh, the cut-off dates next week. Is that correct? Uh, I'll take your word for that ah. one. I'm not, I, I know it is coming up, and I have seen it on uh, on our socials. It's uh, it's around this time every year. It's a no, it's a fantastic competition. I think the Australia Cup has been so well embraced across the country, um, but certainly here in in WA to give um, players and clubs the opportunity to to travel to play against uh, other clubs that, that they wouldn't necessarily do so to play against people they might just see on TV. So. Um, we're hoping for you know a few more uh, you know David and Goliath type stories. Yeah, sure. There's been some great runs by amateur clubs, by state league clubs um, over the past years, and uh, it'd be great to see that continue and, and entries come in from from across the 
state, and we've you know previously had Albany-based clubs, Kalgoorlie, yeah. uh, and so on. So uh, hopefully that continues, and we see some great great matchups in these early rounds. Jamie, with the mandatory uh, entry qualification, oh, well, entry nomination for the uh, NPLW men's league and state leagues, do they get notification of that, or is that just an automatic uh, nomination because they're in that division? Uh, I believe that's an automatic, but I, I, I will check on that just to make sure. But uh, yeah, the NPL and the State League, are, uh, you know, that that's uh, their main target, I suppose. It's certainly one of the aims yep. for every club is to, to make those final rounds and try and snag one of those national spots. So sure. they're always very keen to to do so and and treat the, the competition with a with a great deal of reverence. Yeah, so I've just gone back to the Football West website, uh, the Facebook page. So the nomination for that closes on at 10 a.m. on January the 23rd. So if you're not one of those that have mandatory entry to that, to that competition, mm-hmm. get yourself in it. The preliminary rounds will be kicking off on February the 23rd, I believe, a month later. Yep, and then it goes right through the year. And, of course, yeah. all the other states are doing just the same yep. things to get to that final in September. That's right. 2nd of September is the State League Cup final. Yeah, so just going back to that round two, the preliminary round is the 24th to the 26th of Feb. So you haven't got long to to nominate just next week, but you also don't have long to get uh, get your team up and running to, to get into that uh, competition. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big competition. Obviously, a huge number of clubs mm. entering as well and, and, you know, the cherry on top, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, with, with no complications, will be, of course, the final will be held at the New State Football Centre uh, and be one of the opening games that will be held there. So that'll be a fantastic occasion. So that's progressing as we, we expect? Yeah, it is. Uh, practical completion um, towards the end of May. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a hard deadline, as we've said before, with yeah. the Women's World Cup and it being a training site. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out there um, just this week and it's really starting to take shape and I'm not really a person who can visualise off a plan. I need to see things and, and understand yeah. them. And, and it really, you know, it really uh, blew my breath, you know, took my breath away about how far it's come. They were just laying out the synthetic matting as well. So the field was actually green and you could really get a picture of what it's going to look like when it's all finished. So, um, yeah, you know, really pleased with, with the way it's progressing um, and looking forward to, to taking uh, ownership of the facility uh, in the coming months. Fantastic. You've got a space there for your Subudio table, Jamie? <laughs> I'll come down and uh, play a couple of games with you. It's not a bad idea, actually. There's a lovely staff area where the kitchen and stuff is, oh, so uh, we might be able to put something in there. Well, I've got a spare table I can put down there, no trouble whatsoever. <laughs> Jamie, I've got a question. In that space, uh, the office space, entry space, welcoming into the football space by the community, is there like a, a big entry area where there'll be like a little bit of history and some information about the game and a place to sit down yeah, and maybe have WA coffee. Like, is it just game. like yeah. a, a welcoming entry uh, space? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's obviously been one of the things we've, we've kept in mind through the, through the build and, and we're working um, with the, and through state government projects as a mandatory art requirement. So we're working with the artists to actually use the art forms as part of that, um, part of that history and tell the story. Um, through the art piece itself, so they'll be you know very interactive, engaged with those, and a few images of the like as well. So we've got a team of both internal and external people working through that, and um, I think people will be be really pleasantly surprised when they do um, they do go and see that. There's a lovely uh, piazza plaza type uh, area that runs um, just at the back of the uh, administration building as you sort of enter towards the main field and the cafe at the far end. So we you know the sense is not just about turning up for a football match. Yeah. We want it to be engaging. We want people to stay there and, and utilise the facilities. There's the five-a-side uh, that we'll be up and running and competitions through those as well. So it is really about making it an, 
uh, a whole experience rather than just turning up and playing a game or watching a game and then leaving again. Brilliant. With that five-a-side, I'm just going to lead into that one. Can you tell us a little bit more about the CBD Football Fest that's coming up next month? Yeah, absolutely. So we were um, very fortunate to, to partner with um, both the DLGSD and, mm-hmm. and the City of Perth to put on the this football fest. It's really about bringing people back into the, to the CBD yeah. and making it a, a vibrant space. So we have our uh, a corporate challenge on the Friday, which is a great opportunity to, for people to, to bond with their, their work colleagues, to spend a few hours out and about kicking a ball around. Um, it's catered. Um, on the, the Saturday, we've got our, our five-a-side World Cup. Yep. Um, I know I've seen a couple of teams already announced, but there's a, a few spaces still there, and, and maybe for some of our more competitive uh, players to win that, I know there's some, some prizes up for grabs then, and then on the Sunday, as a more casual five-a-sides uh, for anyone who wants to come down, have a kick about, grab five mates, the Masters teams, um, women's teams, juniors teams. So really just trying to have that um, carnival sort of atmosphere and vibe. There's some uh, vouchers uh, for every team that enters for, for um, venues throughout the CBD for food and drink and hospitality. Yep. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. There'll be a lot of people. It's at uh, Wellington Square from memory, which has undergone this great redevelopment. Uh, and we, we had our um, Africa Down Under tournament there last year. That's and right. it's a, a yep. fantastic venue. And, um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. So, yeah, jump on the website if you if you want to come grab five or six mates and, and register and come down and have a, a great day of football. Yep. Just on that, it's a uh, pretty important thing that uh, Hugh just said there about five-a-side. I've noticed in the last 12 months, mm. especially over summer, five-a-side mini competitions, yep. coaching clinics, they're all, they're all landing that's, absolutely everywhere to fill the space thing, that it? was Christmas a, before. Can't have a full <laughs> team anymore. You're just like, oh, wait a minute, let's just have a team of six to, to seven. Yeah, People so, don't want to stop, Jamie. They just want yeah. to play football. <laughs> People always want to play football. They're, 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 you know, we can't get away from that, no. but... You know, in terms of five sides, it's a it's a bit of a changing nature of how we consume sport and how yeah. we consume football. And we're you know very very lucky as a sport that we can have these smaller sided versions of the game very easily, um, and they're just exciting, just as as good as what eleven uh, aside football is in some cases as well. So it's a real balancing act of providing the eleven aside mm-hmm. the traditional club base, but also uh, knowing that uh, you know some people uh, being time poor or university or whatever might not be able to commit and, and would rather have that shorter interaction with the game and, and as long as they're still involved and running around and kicking a ball about that, that that's certainly what matters for us Any oh. chance of beach football coming back Jamie? Hmm. Uh, beach football well I think there should be an announcement about that sometime soon we're, um, we're hoping to have something lined up with the Women's World Cup and the Unity pitch which uh would tie in very nicely yes. with beach football. So I'll leave you hanging on that oh, one. Oh, come you know, on. <laughs> hopefully there'll be... It hasn't been finalised yet, but hopefully there'll be something coming out very soon that'll um, be a lot of fun. So that whisper was true. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I've got a question. I, I was chatting with Mo Atticus um, just recently... Um, had a trip over to Morocco and uh, watched the World Cup from there. From there, that And we awesome. were talking about the culture of football there and the yeah. culture of football here and how different it is. Mm. And he was saying that kids at night play football yeah. they just grab a soccer ball and or football and they go to their local park yep. which is lighted and it's organized it's a like a structure built by the government and it's available within walking distance and they just go there and they organize and they play it doesn't cost anything it's mm-hmm. not gated and i was just thinking how different that is to here where we're talking about five side and organizing programs that have structure and you generally pay, become a registered team yeah. member, and then you know there's organised trips and whatever. It's so different, isn't it? And 
you think of Brazil and hey, they yeah. talk about street football and there's the culture there from when they're younger, so they grow up playing football and the older kids and the parents mentor yeah. right through that process without always yeah. being organised. When I was over there for the 2014 World Cup, that, that was actually happening. So they weren't actually playing football, it was volleyball with a football. So it, not using Amazing. your hands and yeah. they were lit up, the beach volleyball court, set up there and and yeah they were just heading and flicking and it was and I'm walking past going this is yeah, this it's is just natural stuff isn't yeah. it and I'm saying this because I, I watched an interview with uh, Pele just recently mm. and he was on television in a suit nice shoes etc yeah. and they asked him to kick a soccer ball around so he was in the studio they cleared a space for him in the studio and he was just doing overhead scissor kicks and whatever yeah. and they were talking about how young he was when he started to do all this stuff yeah. and he was so young and I think well if the kids that play street football, unorganised football in their culture, doing this from such yep. a young age, of course the culture when they get older is going to be they'll play football, they'll already have all mm. the skills and how different that is to Australia, Jamie. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I think, you know, growing up I, I certainly had some of that, probably not to the, the same degree that um, that other, other countries do, but it was a much uh, freer society. It was. I suppose we didn't think anything of grabbing a couple of mates yeah. and going to the park until sundown right. and then yeah. riding your bikes back home again. And, and that's told off by mum and going, she's been on the table for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there as well. I jumped my fair few yeah. fences yeah. in time too to go down to the park with my mates. Yeah. <laughs> School yeah, levels. So, uh, that, that, that's changed, I think. Mm. Um, you know, parents, uh, you know, for, for uh, whatever reasons they may be of, of fears of security or, or other, that that is uh, less likely to happen or it doesn't happen until yeah. children are a little bit older. Um, what we're really trying to encourage, and, and you know, through five sides and certainly through the, the five side competitions we run as the juniors and the like, is that they are still unstructured where we're not trying to have parents as coaches as such. Yeah. We just want the kids to go and play through our coaching courses. We're trying to make sure that uh, training sessions are developed so that there is that unstructured play so that children are having to solve problems themselves rather than be spoon fed. Uh, you know, they need to move to this position and do, and do yes. this yeah, yeah. Uh, and trying to make Have that fun, as free and as creative it. as possible. Yeah, correct. To try and replicate uh, what that is. Um, you know, we, we know we're, and we're working with local governments to try and create some of those spaces again, but that's a challenge with the, you know, noise regulations around the place. and <laughs> light infill. Like like. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's challenges for our sport, for basketball, face similar things of being able to provide these safe spaces where people can do. And I've, I've watched... Um, something around the cages in, in London, the, the football cages, the small yes. ones, and how many yep. players have been developed through that. And, you know, they're opportunities that we do want to try and provide, but we're just in a very different society, um, Western society, than, than other parts of the world, and we have to try and, uh, you know, overcome these challenges in different ways. Yeah. Or, or just create opportunities in different ways. Yes, yep, absolutely. Uh, and that's, you know, part of this. The CBD football fest, the beach football, um, our parks programs that we run a lot of in regional is just, here's a ball, there's a couple of goals at either end, off you go, you know, you you leave the kids alone and they'll just generally referee themselves, they'll figure out where they they want to play and and what have you, so it's the way I grew up watching my dad play and my brother and I be off running around for three or four hours behind the goal or three fields away, um, (laughs) just playing football with whoever was around at the time and and hopefully trying to recreate that in a safe and responsible way for, for these modern times. Yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty critical there, is that we're living in smaller and smaller spaces, residential-wise, but we can create other spaces. We can convert other spaces yeah. so that kids can walk to those places or feel safe in those places and be familiar and educated about those spaces. Big big circle. I think we've come in a you know, great big circle in a short space of time, 
but uh, it's glad uh, I'm really happy that we're recognising that now. Um, before we let you go, um, you did say mandatory art inclusion. Are we talking about Indigenous art in the um, football state centre? Uh, it's uh, yes, an Indigenous artist um, who was successful in the tender for that. Um, there's obviously been a a ref- indigenous reference group throughout this process and, and prior with the environment and what have you, but it's an, an indigenous artist who's okay. putting the, these art pieces together and um, and they'll be used to, to tell the story of football here in, in WA and um, just trying to look at some, some ways such as QR codes or other technology where we can great. actually update that yeah, over a period great. of time and um, you know make sure there's current information for current events. Or Do for, you know who that Australia is, Jamie? Or the like. Um, I'm not sure if that's been publicly released yet, Penny. So okay. I'll probably better not say. No. Um, <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to put a name in there. I don't know if it's the, the person or not, but um, Melissa Spillman, who plays football, she's an Aboriginal artist, plays football in the Mandurah area. Um, she is the ambassador for the girls' tournament that's happening um, early before the Women's World Cup. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the tournament. It just escapes me off the yeah. top of my head. But uh, it's South the River Club, so it's yep. South River Tournament and, and Melissa Spillman, Aboriginal artist, who you might see on City of Melville uh, security cars. She does all the a- Aboriginal art in the back of the cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I've seen those cars. I know. She's good. I had a coffee somewhere and I thought, Melissa, because I play football, Melissa. I said, that's your art in the back of that car and that car and that car. <laughs> and that car. <laughs> that was pretty cool, actually. And she going, yeah, whatever. Connection with football, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing before I let you go, um, how's the HBF Park tracking? Do you know? Um, uh, well, as far as I know, I think um, obviously Gloria probably a lot more <laughs> eager to find mm-hmm. out than what, um, than what we may be, but... I think uh, you know. Obviously, the biggest challenge was the um, introduction of the central tunnel, which coming yep. comes out underneath the main grandstand. Yeah. So that obviously caused the delays um, that the, they've experienced and the, the challenges that Gloria have had to face off the back of that. But as far as I understand, it's on track. Gloria be, will be back there in March, so they'll be um, you know back and playing, and the, the venue will be ready to go and up for uh, the Women's World Cup and. I think everyone was probably a little bit surprised when, when FIFA did roll into town and the, the level of detail and requirements that they have across their yeah, World me. Cup stadia. Uh, um, they might have just, yeah, yeah. They don't surprised a, trick, a couple of people. Yeah. No, no, they're, 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 they're a slick organisation. Oh, yeah. There's a, the agreements that uh, I know the clubs had to sign and, and Football West of the State Football Centre are extremely detailed. And mm. if FIFA ask you to jump, then you just say, how high? And, and for uh, how long, yeah. And yeah. how long, but you, 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 know, you know that in five months' time we're going to have this fantastic event here in Perth and across Australia and New Zealand and yeah. um, all the work leading up to it will have been worth it. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I saw the ticket sales over half a million yeah, know, already, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, I know the, the Irish contingent are, are certainly um, getting getting ready. Gathering. They're, they're they're gathering. You know, they're gathering. They're tapping on the shoulder. I've, I've got my uh, ticket for the Irish game here in uh, in Perth. They're going, what do you mean you got one? How much? I said, no, mate. No, no. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, hopefully we'll have um, you know, some little cultural groups and activities happening. Yeah, this one, again, we're going to have the, the, the current Olympic champions playing the Irish here in our, in, in our, in our backyard. I can't, I can't wait. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Nice. Now, Jamie, there was one last thing. The last thing is life memberships. I know yeah. that the AGM uh, space is changing for Football West. How does that change life membership nominations? Um, well, I mean, life membership nominations are, can actually be done throughout the year anyway. Um, so there will be a cut-off date, which will be later in the year. Normally, uh, it ends around the end of January, um, from memory, mid, mid-February. Um, because of our change in financial year, our AGM date will push out to May. So we'll probably um, publicly 
seek um, nominations for life membership through uh, probably February, March time. I'm just working on the timeline and the documents now. Uh, but there is still information um, and the form is still on the, the website for those people who did want to nominate someone. It's last year's form, but it, it doesn't matter. It would still uh, it's still be fine to do so before uh, before our cut-off date. But um, we'll certainly be pulling that together and then pushing that out uh, broadly across our socials for those people in the game who uh, have you know, served for a considerable amount of time, have, have served the game in different ways. Um, and we've got, as you know, Penny, some fantastic life members and um, look forward to hopefully a couple more people joining that uh, honourable list in the in the near future. Yes, good one. Thanks, uh, recognising people in the community. Yep. Very important oh, sense yeah. of community. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the basketball. Thanks so much. <laughs> Cheers. I better see, you, see whether my boy's winning or losing. I'll go check it out now. Good, good one. one. Thanks, Jamie. Bye, see Jamie. Ya. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That was CEO of Football West, Jamie Harnwell. You've got Penn and Hugh in the yeah. studio. Those cages he was talking about, they're, they're on the top of the roofs in, in, yeah. in Japan. It's amazing to see them happening. You just sort of, you know, get up there and have a sticky beak and yep. you think that, you know, obviously it's in a cage, but you think Adapting. if that ball goes over, it's going down 25 stories. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I watched something with uh, David Beckham when he travelled the world as a football ambassador yep. many, many years ago. Mm. And one of the countries he went to, I cannot remember which one it was, they had... Ca- these cages on top of buildings. Yep. Might have been Japan, maybe somewhere else. And uh, I thought, wow, on top of a building, like a total cage in- yeah. enclosed and they were just going for it. And I thought, yeah, okay. And this is just making use of the space you've that's got. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, we don't necessarily have a challenge. We just have, okay, there's the opportunity to see that, how do we yeah, figure out how to play in these spaces. We've got the space. Yeah, lots of it. just need the access to, yeah. to that particular space yeah. for, you know, sport in general, but our particular sport, in particular, yeah, I'd like to see free-flowing football not be introduced. I'd just return maybe to our culture where we're not so organised about having to be mandated for coaching this yeah. and coaching that and structured yep. play of development programs. Yep. Get the jump kids out the there playing, the, playing football and get, get the older kids yep. mentally younger over there. kids. That that tree's the other post. We've got a ball. Put your bags yeah. down. Throw your shirt. Yeah, there. that's it. Mum's yeah. calling. Dinner's on the table. Sorry, yeah. I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember uh, those days? They were fun. I know, so much fun. Mm. This is Penn and Hugh. We'll be back talking football very soon. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation, and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team 
on 9258 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station Sponsor Listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Welcome back. This is Penn and Hugh on the World Football Program here till 12 next week. A different set of hosts will be jumping into the chair. No, and... why not? I'll be here. Okay. <laughs> and there'll be someone else and it won't be me. <laughs> and I'll be having a break. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Tacky Nicolades on the line, State League coach for Mum FC. Good morning, Tacky. Morning, Penn. How are you? Super awesome. Hugh's in the studio morning, with Tacky. me to join in the conversation. How's your summer yeah, been? Was it, was it free of any football, Tacky? Over summer? Uh, no, you, it never is. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, you didn't watch any tournament over in uh, over, over, overseas, you know, around about you know, November, December. Uh, yeah. Wasn't then, much on. Yeah, yeah, a few late nights. <laughs> or early morning. Um, but, you know, from a, a coach's point of view, I know players come into season, they switch off and have time out. But, yep. uh, yeah, from a coach's point of view, it's uh, probably the work more outside in terms of, you know, Assembling a squad and, and doing all, all that type of thing, and probably wasn't until a week before um, and a pre season started in December that uh, I was able to switch off, and then all of a sudden, you know, we were back into it again. So, yeah, of course, yeah, coach is non stop. Non stop, it is, absolutely. Uh, how's the culture at uh, Mum FC and the, the structure and setup for finishing one season and flowing through into the next? How does it all work there? Yeah, no, all, all fluent. Um, now Mark Jones still uh, is overseeing the, the football side of things and you know, having someone of his experience uh, and knowledge and support has been invaluable for me, uh, being the head coach. And, you know, it's, um, you know, it's been very, very fluent uh, you know, since, uh, since I've moved over. How is it using the stadium there? You'd be training on the AstroTurf, which can get pretty blooming hot oh, at this yeah. time of year. Crikey. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, obviously the, you know, playing games on it, um, you know, mid-mornings and and, uh, and late afternoons isn't uh, ideal. And again, you in, in the um, preparation and when you do your scheduling, you try and avoid those uh, times. So we did have a game this morning, but we um, we played Athena at Athena uh, on grass, which uh, again avoided us being on, on the synthetic. Okay. Yes, Um the club kind of underutilises that space to make some money out of it, I, I feel, but maybe because of the extreme conditions there in terms of there's no wind break and the dugouts are not particularly covered, not so great for media with the dugout being where it is and the car park. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of little things that can be tweaked to get some people in there yeah, and maybe play some tournaments yeah, in dugouts there. dugouts at, at most grounds, Penny, are, you, know, you, you can't really put them under, under cover. I mean... 
what, no. What, what ground are you, you you're thinking where there's undercover dugouts, really? No, no, no I'm not, not saying there are. And I mean, like, covers. I mean, the I don't Brazilians mean, do it because they... I don't they mean underground covers. I mean, like, under like having covers on them so that they protect the players from sun and extreme conditions. Oh, because it's perspex. Or, or, Clear perspex. Or yeah. okay. whatever, I mean... We, yeah, just most grounds um, have something there, but um, Mum FC, you've got a little bit of work to do in terms of, you know, Are just you making it... ranges in that space. What's uh, that? I, I haven't said that. I, I, I was going to say, I don't disagree with any, uh, some areas that they're improving, but overall, yeah, a, uh, I, I think we're in a, for... in a much better position than yeah. a lot of clubs yeah. where a lot of clubs don't get access to, to their grounds. Absolutely. So I think we're in uh, yeah. a pretty good uh, position. Where we're at at the moment. I yeah, uh, oh, the flip side is that we've got 100% yeah. use of the ground, um, yeah. you know, all of the year. We've got the light. So when yeah. it gets warm, you can play yeah. at night, you can train later. You can and love half a dozen clubs that don't have dugouts absolutely. and don't have access because it's cricket season. Totally. Yeah. And it's got a pretty awesome set of um, canteen facilities pool, and pool, change yeah. rooms, um, yeah. got referee space, yep. et cetera. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, it's a good spot. Abs- ab- no, for, for playing. Um, surface longevity, uh, it's great. Yeah, I'm just thinking uh, to expand it some more, have uh, like a stadium uh, and then a parking yeah. area that can encourage people yeah. and families to... Can I ask a question, Tacky? How, how do you, uh, your teams find the transition from playing on the AstroTurf to grass week in, week out? It must... Be, does it require a change of, of, of coaching from yourself? Does it require a change of tactics uh, from yourself? None, none at all. Uh, me, we train on the synthetics and, yep. um, and, 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 and play a system on that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, it's, um, it's the same philosophy, same process, whether you play on synthetics or play on grass. Uh, and most, most rounds during the season, um, the pitches are in, in pretty good shape. Uh, but then, you know, when they're not in good shape, it's, it's the same for both sides. But, but for me, um, it's I agree with that. It's the the other way. So, um, when your boys are playing on the synthetic, do they have a particular kind of training regimen that's like I don't know cool downs that relax the muscles in different ways to make sure the hardness com- of the synthetic compared to the grass yeah. is kind of um, you know, their body's working with that. No, uh, no, not at all. Uh, so for me, um, and, and feedback from. Senior players that you know it does take one or two weeks to get used to the synthetics, but I just treat that as like a normal pitch. Yeah, okay. uh, and I think yeah. we, we start uh, playing with the, the play side mentality that oh, there is a big difference and we must do this step yeah. differently uh, on grass synthetic. Um, so, oh, it, it, for me, it just messes up the, the psyche of the players, uh, and I'd rather them be mentally strong and you know uh, embrace any challenge, whether it's and coming into the night series, all of the grounds would potentially be in the best condition of the season. Oh, yeah. So wh- whatever grass pitches are out there that everyone's playing on, and um, I think there's uh, three, you'll play three games in your group, and they are at Wanneroo Forest Field... 
can't think where the other ones are. The other um, venues are. Ellen, Ellen, Ellen Brook as well. That, yep, okay. Yep, so you, wow, you've got to be getting around, aren't you? Whew. Yeah, no, so all our three uh, group games are in Wanneroo. At Wanneroo's house. Oh, they are, okay. Yep. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Cool. So that, 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 that makes it um, you know, good, good for us. It's you know, got three, three games. Uh, and generally, the, the, the series there are, are very good. So, yeah, um, yeah focus is uh, preparing for that. And so Ellenbrook are playing on the synthetic as well. They, they redid their surface a few years back. Yeah. So they they would have exactly the same conditions, one would think, as at Mum FC, their training and so forth. Well, surface, but not, you know, I wouldn't say the same conditions. No, yeah. no, no, okay. Man, I'm using some wrong words today. No, 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 it's okay. English is that, uh, that strange language yeah. where you can use a word and it can be interpreted so many different ways. Whereas, yeah, uh, Ellenbrook is a big open playing yeah, space, right, very yeah, yeah. similar to Murdoch, I, I feel. It's yeah. not an enclosed stadium that's kind right, of situation. Yeah, yeah so you very... Uh, I'm going to shut up now and talk no, about no, something no, else, right? It's just that, that like, if, <laughs> if, if it's uh, yeah, windy, then you certainly notice it up there at Ellenbrook, that's for sure. Hell yes. Mm. Yes, there certainly is a wind that rockets through at uh, Mum's ground, that's for sure. Um, 2023, uh, Tacky, from yeah. 2022 to 2023 and onwards, what are the changes that the club needs to make to, I assume, move up into NPL? Ooh. Um, I wouldn't say changes that the club needs to make. I think um, from day one, the support's been there from, uh, from our first and, and uh, Michael Ianello and, and the board and uh, obviously having someone like you know, Mark Jones so um, pretty much all the support uh, we've been given. Uh, obviously being realistic, you know, coming out of, jumping out of Div 2 into Div 1, uh, and that transition's not, not the easiest as well. I thought we, we handled that quite well last year. Uh, and now the expectation from, and I won't say the club, but from myself, is that we, we need to keep improving. So, um, yeah, we finished this last year and, you know, uh, we're lucky enough to, to, uh, to win the night series about stability then like pretty much you've kept same squad made a few tweaks and then just working on what you've been working on it's been a pretty good formula just take that forward into 2023 and keep building on that yeah very much very much and I think you'll find that whilst there's times where you can actually and I'll say buy success but I don't in our sense that I mean financial uh, that we can bring in a group of 11 players to go out and win the league. To me, it is about the stability. And I think generally you'll find teams that are successful are teams that have been playing together for two, three or four years and just keep evolving you know, year in, year out. And that, that's been my, my aim and my philosophy in, in terms of building success. So um, we kept um, the call from last year. Um, obviously, you know, we've been able to add a couple of players as well. And I think our, our squad's a lot deeper than what it was last year. Uh, and that's no disrespect last year. We were last year, but I, I, it was good to see some, some good young boys sort of, um, one, coming through the system and, and good young boys from outside the club wanting to, to be part of, you know, what, um, you know, the way we're going and being part of our future. What's the mix or makeup of 
the local club players like from actually from Melville and how do you go about encouraging them to be a part of the squad? Um, well, we've got um, obviously you know, we, we keep tabs on our, our junior players and you know, last year we had um, young Noah Summit who uh, was playing the 16s and he got uh, he got a couple of games under his belt. Uh, Seaman who's been trained with us full time and doing exceptionally well. Um, and he's only 16 year old and been part of the first And last year we did, did the same thing with um, our young Taj Bingma. Uh, um, he was 16 the year before, got a couple of games in the first team, had a solid pre season, and, and uh, you know, was um, one of our, our regular first team players last year. And these are players that have come through the system. And you want them to continue to oh, come through the system. Totally so, all. I mean, yeah. Mum FC is a bit of a machine. It's a pretty huge yeah. beast. Well, so down to the juniors, it's got a it? yeah. It's pretty sound football ecosystem. Yeah, no, exactly. And look, and look as, as, as a former player myself, uh, and when I was young, I probably the same as, as what these youngsters are like. So I, I know what it's like wanting an opportunity, and and uh, and, and and what I need to do once the did get the opportunity. And for me. Um, you know, you don't want to roadblock some of the pathway of some of these boys, uh, but I also don't want to give it to them on a plate as well. Yeah. They need to work work for it and earn it as well. Right or wrong, I, I do think that uh, a lot of youngsters get to a certain age and they think that they're entitled to be part of a first team yeah. uh, environment. Um, and I'll probably be taught a slightly different way of, of uh, you know, educating and developing these players. And, you know, I thought I'd weren't uh, in the right process uh, by not being too uh, too eager and too um, haste in development and, and learning from from senior players and, and experienced coaches. And when I was ready, I was, you know, and got the opportunity, I was actually ready to play first team football rather than being thrown in because of my age or circumstances. Uh, and then, you know, as a single swim and, Unfortunately, you know, I, I, I do see a lot of boys thinking uh, when it gets to that level. At that yeah, stage. You're selling yourself short there, Tacky. You were a good player right from the word go. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> and, and, and you were a good referee as well. Oh, <laughs> no, there's no <laughs> need for that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to pay me a compliment, I'm going to pay you a compliment. Thank you very much, Tacky. Stop it, you boys. So, uh, Taki, we were talking about a culture of football uh, with Jamie earlier. Uh, what do you reckon yeah. the culture of football at Mum FC is? How would you describe it? Yeah, good, very good. Um, as you mentioned before, um, obviously, the, as a, as a, a, a club, we've got you know fifteen hundred members, playing playing members, um, and it's not just you know your mini roos, your, your um, metro sides. Mm. You got your, your um, MPL juniors. Uh, you've got your amateurs, you've got your, your masters, you've got your men's state league, you've got your women's program as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's such a big diversity within the club. Uh, but the good thing is that, that, that there is a lot of, a, a lot of choice for, for people to be involved, which uh, for me is good. Um, from a men's state league point of view, um, and I'll keep, keep saying that a, a lot of, uh, a lot of that culture is driven from from up above, and you know the, the support that, that I've received from from uh, Michael in LA, the, the president, and also Mark Jones has been invaluable. Uh, and obviously, you know, bringing in some of my experience, and then bringing in good people 
to, to, to help out as well. Um, it goes a long way. And, and then it's just about, you know, retaining your best players and recruiting, um, you know, players that want to buy into the system rather yeah. than uh, bringing them in for, for a season, uh, filling the gap, and then they move on to another club. And uh, as you for me, success, to build success, um, you need stability. And that's uh, a key thing for me. Yeah, no, we saw that with Brisbane yeah. Raw when they signed up Charlie Austin, that they brought in what they believed to be a superstar striker. I was and, just thinking of that. he didn't fit yeah. the system. That's right. And Charlie has been moved on. Yeah. Because it was disruptive yeah. to the to the club, not, you know, as, as good a player as he is. And maybe Amini's another example too. Another he landed one. at Perth Glory yeah. and he fits. Yeah, like that's right. Works. Yeah, and he fitted like a glove. That's, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a good yeah. good point you raise there, Tacky. Exactly right. Yeah, the, the, man management. You get the players working. They might not all be superstars, but you get those players yeah. working together, and then you, you, buy you into kind the culture. of it's like yeah. chess, right? You get the the mm. movements correct until the squad starts to progress at the rate, the best rate they can possibly yeah. improve at, and yeah, that's yeah. when you know, woohoo, yeah. rub your hands together that's and go, right. I got it right. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to say sometimes as well, where I know players players might jump from one club to another, you know years and then find uh, an environment, whether it's you know, our club or another club, where it, uh, yeah. it fits in with, uh, with the players' behaviour and, and, and mindset. Yeah. And it's just, it's, again, sometimes you've got a different style of coach or a different inv- uh, playing environment where a player doesn't fit in, uh, regardless of, of his talent, um, and then you know, moves to another club and then says, oh, you know what, yeah, it's you change your mindset. Mm. You feel more more involved and more part of um, the short term, but also longer term fiction. And and again, you know, even maturity sometimes yeah. when you know, you've, you've, you've gone from club to club to club, and, you, and then you just settle in, into one environment where it just fits, and you know, you're there and you play your best football, you're part of some successes, and then you're you're, you're sitting in there or you're at the club for, for a few years. Absolutely. Yep. So, looking at the night series, Tacky, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Your first game is on the 5th, Sunday 5th, February, up at the Wanneroo, um, playing against Karamar Shamrock. What are you thinking of your chances in this group? You've got Joonal Up City, UWA, yourself and Karamar. Yeah, all, all, all tough games. Yeah. Uh, all tough games. And for me, it's, you know, whether you're in Div 1 or Div 2, whether you're first or last, from last last year, uh, last year's last year, and, and uh, like us, mm. you know, we've we've uh, brought in you know, some new group, and the same is going to be with UWA, same is going to be with Junlup City, the same with uh, Shamrock. Um, so we don't know what to expect. All we can do is control our performances and our input in, in night series, and and making sure that that we're building the box um, in these group stages to ensure that you know. Potentially, and hopefully, make a make the finals, you know, quarter finals, semi finals, and, and whatnot. So, you're playing competitive games, but just getting us pretty much getting ourselves ready for, for round one, and that for me is the, the most important thing. What about your targets for 2023? Um, improvement on last year. Ah, there you go, that. exactly. That's, that's a Straight coach. Back, Danny. That's a coach. Yeah, look, for me, for me yeah, and, and I know coaches or clubs go out there and say, yeah, we're going to win it, yeah. we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Um, There's fine lines uh, between success mm. and failure. And, uh, and the way I look at it, you know, we're, we're building, trying to build a squad uh, to, to be competitive. If everything goes right, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and expecting us to, 
to improve more than what we did last year. If things don't go right, then you know, then it puts us back in the pack. But you know, it's new season, just not not just for us, but new season for for all the other clubs in in, in this one. We got Gosnells that have been promoted. Um, you know, Rockingham finished strong last year, the second half of the season. Fremantle Mandra and Western Knights that finished second, third, and fourth. You know, they're wanting to improve. And I think the beauty about this season is that um, with the changes where, you know, obviously you've got one club that gets automatically promoted, um, you know, there's the opportunity for another club um, that uh, to uh, to be in a playoff and get themselves uh, potentially promoted into NPL by the playoff system. So, you know, our aim is, you know, is to, to try and finish in that top four and, and uh, or as, as high as we can. But, yeah. you know, if we don't win the league, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's not just about maybe getting, you know, the competition right. It's getting the right plays in there yeah, so that you can see that yeah. if it's not this year, it yeah. might be next yeah. year as they develop and, and get more, you know, progress as a squad. Yep. Yeah, correct. As I said, if you get building uh, with some good youngsters, you know, like, as I said, like that was 16, Tash at 17, you know, in two years' time, they'll be 18, 19, 20, you know, and... Uh, yeah, with two or three years of good football, uh, thirteen football under their belt. Yep. So. Keep building on what you got. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the secret to success. It's it's not not a yeah. secret. Just Loyalty, keep building. stability, yeah. patience, Culture. strength. Yeah. Yep. Coaching. Yeah, but 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 again, you know, all that's well and good. But if you don't get support from up and above, support, yeah. Uh, and every every year there's there's change in direction. Um, that doesn't help either, no. and that's why I, I, and I keep uh, going over and harping on it. But the, the, the support from from Michael and Mark yeah. Jones uh, has been invaluable, and that's part of the reason why yeah, we've we've been able to, to grow and, and have some success uh, in the men's state league uh, where we're at the moment. Absolutely, yeah, yeah and hopefully mm-hmm. on the women's side of things, who we have a mum FC have a squad in the NPL. We can um, make some progress there for yep. this year as well. Doing yep. well. Tacky, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy well, your weekend, whatever it brings. Yeah, playing cricket this afternoon. So another, another hot one in the sun. <laughs> Why do you do it, mate? Why do you do it? You're not sure, are you? Uh, 12th man. Oh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> wise, very wise. Thanks, Tacky. Enjoy. Ta-da, Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Tacky Nicolades, Mum FC State League coach, having a banter about football. Yep. You want to go through the, uh, the, the NPL State League, which starts <laughs> next week? We've got uh, in Group A, so the way this works, there's six teams per group. There's two groups. The top two of each group after five games will go through into the semis. So we have Stirling Macedonia versus Perth and Bayswater City versus Armadale. We'll be playing on Friday the 27th at Frank Drago in that order. So 6.30 kickoff. You the did first not one. say State League, did you? Because you're just no, reading NPL. It. NPL, yeah, okay. I did say. No, right. you I went just, through. I was looking at yeah, State no, League you and you were saying NPL. I'm like, I can do that if you want me to. No, no, no. You go for it. <laughs> and in Group B, we've got Red Star, Perth Red Star playing Olympic Kingsway uh, at Dalmatic Park, 6.30 kickoff, and Coburn City will play Sorrento. And the other two games in those groups is Group A will have Balcata versus Florid on Sunday the 29th at Inglewood Stadium, kickoff at 5. 
and Inglewood will play Perth Glory Reserves on Sunday the 29th at Inglewood with a 7 o'clock kickoff. So that is the round one matches. There'll be five rounds. As I say, the top two of each group will go through to the final. The State League is a little bit more complicated mm-hmm. and we can go through that at a, at a later date. But we've got how many groups there, Penn? It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven groups there. Um, uh, seven groups. So the night series there has three rounds of group matches. The top team from each group and the two best second place teams will make up the quarterfinals and then obviously we progress from quarterfinals, semifinals, finals and the finals will be held at the same venue on the same night. So it'll be a double header at Frank Drago on Saturday the 11th and the men's state league night series final I believe will be the opening game and the NPL will be the final game. So the kickoff times for those particular games as yet unconfirmed, but I would suggest, being that it is the Sunday, that the same time slots would be available. So maybe a five o'clock kickoff for the first game and a seven o'clock kickoff, but there is down to extra time, penalties, that sort of stuff. So it might be changed. So don't quote me on that one, but the ones we're coming up this Friday. 6.30 kickoff at Frank Drago or a 6.30 kickoff at Dalmatic Park. Get yourself down there. Lots of football. Lots Thank of, you. It started already. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Never <laughs> stops. <laughs> We're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to our next guest, which is WA News journalist Ben Smith. This is Penn and Hugh. Stay tuned. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeeler, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there. Always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory scores is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. There's a whole brief feeling of silence. Something everyone just jumps up and down. 
an eruption of cheering, yelling and flag wave. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Welcome back to the so World anyway, Football oh, Program. <laughs> ben, Ben Smith, WA News Journalist. Good morning to you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Penny. Happy New Year, Hugh. Happy New Year, Ben. Nice to hear from you again. Yes, we're talking everything football. There's a lot to catch up on on the break that we had, which was only about four weeks, but so yeah. much happened in that time. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about uh, boutique stadiums you and were. why Perth Glory doesn't have their own damn boutique stadium and somewhere. And Juventus getting docked 15 points for transfer irregularities. It, it's, uh, What's that about, Ben? Do you, are you onto that one yet, Ben? Because I only just broke this morning. Uh, I, did see, I, did, yeah, I did see a headline about uh, Juventus being docked. Yeah, well, so it doesn't actually have a chance to, uh, to look into it, but, yeah, it's... Uh, Obviously not the first time the event. No, it's not the first time. The Syria R regulations. That's right. I mean, they got uh, the last time that that happened, they got dropped down two divisions and worked their way back. But this time, uh, it's only been a, a fifteen point deduction. Only a fifteen point deduction. It's knocked them down from third to to tenth. But um, uh, Agnelli and Pavel Nedved resigned in November because they knew this. Um, and let me just uh, <coughs> storm was coming and tried to get out of the way as quickly as possible. Juventus obviously have denied any wrongdoing and confirmed they will appeal the decision, as they would. But, yeah, it, uh, that's, that's not good. They, they, because of their previous history, normally that's a nine-point deduction and the uh, Federation of Football in Italy went, uh, you're repeat offenders, so we're going to give you the next level up, which is 15, and if they transgress, I think the next one after these 21 points or maybe uh, kicked out of the league and back down to... Uh, Serie C, as as happened previously. How many? When you say previously, how many years was that? I remember um, Juventus dropping down a league quite a few years back. Now, was that um, before two thousand six? Six, I think, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they right. went, they went division, division, division. It was like, yeah, no worries, because they they had enough money to go. Nobody's going anywhere, and and away and the way yeah. they went. Mm. Incredible. I visited. Turin and the Juventus Stadium when I was playing soccer over there in 2013 and it was amazing. Oh yeah, that new stadium it was sensational. Just, it, like a city. Yeah. I, yeah. Compared to what was here in Australia yeah. at the time, going there and immersing myself in football was uh, football heaven. Yeah, yeah. so j- just before we, you know, sorry to hijack the interview there, Ben. So what uh, uh, FIFA and, and UEFA are trying to do, it's not quite fair play, but your um, expenditure should mirror to an extent your expenditure. Absolutely. Now, now Juventus, uh, I've just had a, a bit here for, from UEFA, they've put on the top ten clubs that are the, the worst offenders. Oh, of... Well, Barcelona would have been bad because that's what happened when the Messi... No, no, oh, no, no, no. So, so um, the Spanish FA have already said to Barcelona, you can't buy anybody. Mm. So they're trying to get that back. So their expenditure has been minimal yep. uh, to, to any great extent, but their income is still quite huge. And so, they're still doing pretty well. Yeah. So at the bottom of that top ten very well. is Liverpool, who have an expenditure uh, this season of $500 million and an income of only $213 million. So they are €287 million Euros in the hole. Yep. They're 10th on, on, that, <laughs> on that crap list. <laughs> Sean Kelly, block your ears. West Ham are in the top four. So uh, he, he's just fallen off his chair. What do you mean West Ham are in the top four? West Ham are in the top four because their expenditure is five hundred thirty-one million. Their income is only one hundred thirty-six million. So they are nearly four hundred million in the hole. 
So Juventus at the moment are only ninth, so just above Liverpool. 887 million, nearly a billion dollars of expenditure this season. You have to be thinking about how long it takes for a club to get into that kind of hole. Oh, yeah. And they spent nearly 600 million euros, so they are only 200, only 288 million in the hole. Who do you think's top of the table? Uh oh. Any any idea? Mm. Ben, any idea who's top of the table of that? Uh, Manchester United, maybe. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah. There's really? a man who knows his stuff. Manchester United are currently top of the table of the, uh, mm. oh, my goodness, what are you doing? Their expenditure this season, $783 million, and their income is only a miserly, $175 million. So, so they are €608 million Euros in the hole with that expenditure and, over income. What's the mandate from FIFA to rectify that? Uh, it's it, you know you need to you need to get I think it's about ninety percent of income to expenditure Recoup ratio. Yeah, what within a twelve month period or two year period or it was a uh, three year period. They've extended that from what I understand to a five year period because a lot of these clubs on this list, mm. Paris Saint Germain, are fifth in that list. Have gone. You've got to be kidding me, mate! I can't sign Messi. I can't sign Rena- uh, Neymar. But it's a recipe for disaster, right? Has so, been, which is why they're trying to bring that into yeah. into play. But a lot of these bigger clubs, this top ten list, which includes Tottenham, Newcastle United, Aston Villa, are on there as well. I'd like to see the clubs sheets, like yep. financial sheets, oh, to know how many years it took to get to that point, like where the balance was and then when it changed and how long ago well, When Villa got, years, uh, got years, relegated, they uh, basically shed everybody off their list to get that expenditure to income ratio somewhere where it, it needs to be. And as soon as they got promoted, that, that got thrown out the window. It's but very anyway. interesting. Sorry, Ben, you, 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 you totally I'll, hijacked him. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a seat back. <laughs> so, no, that's all right. No, no. Yeah. I've just thought you might have been um, on, on that one, yeah. Yeah, no, well, I'm a like I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan. I remember we were yeah. we ran a foul um, of financial fair yes, play a couple of years ago, yeah. and it was like, well, we were a, you know we were in a championship. Like, I feel like financial fair play is not working if you know if we if a team of a championship who isn't spending yep. that much compared to you know the European really. I mean, we weren't really. It wasn't like we were pushing the boat out. No. Like we. It, but we were kind of like, you know, ran afoul of UEFA, and it yeah. felt like, well, hang on. Surely this isn't what financial fair play was designed for. No, it wasn't. Yeah, and you get sides like Luton Town who were actually kicked out of the um, the 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 chat well, the, the 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 English Premier Leagues, the, the the top tiers into the conference because of their financial fair play irregularities. You go, it's Luton Town. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet a side like Manchester United can be 600 million euros in debt. It's like, ah, don't worry about it, mate. You know, it's okay. Mm. And the gap is so big as well. It like is. The, yeah. Like the gap between the championship and the premiership in terms of spending yep. is monumental. Oh, yeah. So, it's, so championship clubs are basically, you know, if they want to survive in premiership, they have to spend. Yeah. And yet they're going to be, you know, like you've been – but then you kind of run the risk of drawing the ire of UEFA and fair play. It's ludicrous. Yeah. The, the mind boggles on how they yeah. can actually operate with that kind of deficit. I, yep. like so a lot of people think that Paris Saint-Germain are, are the big spenders of Europe. Paris Saint-Germain are nearly half the, the deficit of Manchester United. So with the players that they, they've got, and you look, you've got Mbappe playing for them, you've got um, Sergio Ramos, you've got Neymar, you've got Messi, mm-hmm. you've got... 
you know, so uh, Navas and goal. You've got, you've got a superstar team, and yet Manchester United can be almost double the amount in debt this season. Okay, I've got a question for you, and it's homework for next week. Oh, no, not homework. Right. I've got my pen out. Yeah, yeah, good. So find out the top ten clubs that do better than that, that are break-even or profit. Well, Brentford are one of them. But Brentford, with their, with their system, is that they will scour... Um, Reject, for want of a better phrase, rejects of Premier League academies, sign them on a free, give them first-team football, and then flog them off to the highest bidder. What division are they in? They're now Premier League. Okay. Yeah, and, and that was their system. We don't have an academy. We don't have the youth system. We're not going to do any of that. We'll just go around, because they're a London club, we'll go around to Arsenal. Hi, mate, I see you didn't make the Arsenal academy. That's unlucky, mate. Come on down. We'll give you a game and then flog them off to the highest bidder. And they make money. So Brentford, off the top of my head, would have to go close to that. Mm. Okay. And, and the other nine. I'd like to know if there's some massive clubs that are just doing well and why. What's their system that's different? Well, Spurs, that... Spurs highlight that they're meant to be one of them, but they're on that, they're on that list. They're mm. just behind Paris Saint-Germain. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk Perth let's, Glory. Let's talk Perth Glory. Yeah, let's do it. And Fortress Macedonia. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. And, and, and let's think back, Ben, to the last time Macedonia was a fortress, Perth Kangaroos. Oh, yeah. 1994, oh, yeah. maybe, when we were in the Sim- Singapore League. Yep. We used to pack out the stadium. I used to go to those games. Yep. So did I. Did you go to No, you'd be too young, wouldn't you, Ben? Yeah, that was, I was born in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> you young Oh, dear. <laughs> but that was some good football. And I think all of the players in that squad... One of which was court. Jamie Harnwell, right. I think, who yeah. is now the CEO of Football right. West. What a the journey. The boys were there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they pack out the squad. They're all local lads. Everyone knew them, would come along and cheer them on. And, yeah, Macedonia was the place to be. And here we are all these years later and Perth Glory in the National League are playing at Macedonia Park again. Fantastic. Yep. A big, big circle that uh, Macedonia has come. Hmm. And it is a little bit of a fortress. So I have a question about that, Ben. Do you think the game times and Gloria playing at Melbourne Victory tonight at Macedonia Park 7.30 kickoff, for Melbourne Victory, that game time is, what, 9.30, mm. 10.30? 10.30, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just wonder if that helps us, Perth Glory, with our yeah, physical condition, the time of night, fatigue factors for them. That, do you reckon it makes any difference? It probably, it probably does, I think, for... Yeah, Macedonia Park, I think, in general, is a bit of a, a difficult to, uh, place for teams to travel to. Uh, I don't know if you've, if you've been down there for any of the glory games. It's actually yep. really, yes. really windy. Yeah, it is. Um, and, like, you know, one of the coaches, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but he commented on the fact that it was quite windy uh, in a post-game press conference. Um, he wasn't saying it as an excuse. He was just kind of, you know, talking about what it was like yep. playing at, you know, Macedonia Park and, uh, the time difference is, is another one for sure. Um, the fact that fans are so close, is, you know, I'm sure you know, does create a bit more of a oh, yeah. intimidating, more of a like slightly <laughs> yeah. more hostile atmosphere. Um, and uh, you know, the, gra- the pitch is pretty good, but you know, it's maybe not you know up to like HBF Park standard. standard. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not a bowling green, but I mean, Bassadonia Park has always been a, an issue when I was refereeing there. I mean, it was. <laughs> But looking at it now, not being on the pitch, it, it looks a hell of a lot better than it has in, uh, yeah, it in a lot of it seasons. Looks, yeah, it does look. It looks good, and I think as well, um, you know, the facilities are you know probably not what A League clubs are mm-hmm. used to. So that may you know, it's kind of that factor as well. It's probably a bit of a you know, it, it's 
still, you know, an NPL state league ground essentially, and yep. you know they've done a very good job. The club and the you know, both uh, Sterling, Macedonia, and Perth have done a very good job of turning it into an A league, yeah. you know, venue. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think if Rory wanted to play there long term, there would need to be more investment in yes. upgrading the facilities yeah. and you know permanent <laughs> stands and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a good glimpse into a future which. Person may decide to pursue um, if they decide that the rent, rental prices at HBF Park are untenable. Well, I mean, Penn and I were talking off air, and we had Mr. Sage on last year. Where apparently, there is a a portable boutique stadium in Sydney, just sitting in boxes, ready to be shipped to uh, whoever wants to buy it. And again, I've often mentioned I'm it. Sure, Guitar have got a few. The, the cost of that uh, <laughs> would be, you know, huge to start with, but. Ultimately, in the long run, you've got your own home, which you can then rent out, uh, as has happened with HBF Park, to the to the highest bit of you know the next Ed Sheeran concert could be at Mr Sage and Mr Forrester's boutique stadium. Yeah, we've got a bit of accommodating to do, haven't we, here in Perth? Oh yeah, wherever we land, we we make accommodations, well, concerts, and yeah, other but codes. That's and... okay. Home of football, again, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what do you think, Ben, on how Glory's going at the moment? They've come off the back of uh, three games in, four, in a week and yeah, it's been seven days and then another game. We're and still undefeated in those uh, in those. We've fixtures. done well. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting a, yeah. a bit of stability. Thoughts? Yeah, I think they've been good. Uh, I, well, I think they've been pretty solid and hard to beat, which I think is the... Half yeah, it should be kind of the uh, the baseline of any A League men's club. But this league's so even. I think even at the moment, um, I'm not sure of the exact you know difference between you know 12th and fourth. But I think it's something along the lines of like seven, eight points. This league is so tight. Yeah. Together, um, you know, and you know, watching a few of the other teams, none of them, apart from you know Melbourne City, yeah. Central Coast, and maybe Wellington, none of them have really impressed me that much this season. That's why. You know, I don't think you can really rule any team out of the finals race at the moment. Even Melbourne Victory or sitting bottom of the table, you know, we know that quality. We know what a good coach Tony Popovich yeah. is. I think, you know, it would be, especially because they managed to dodge a, uh, you know, a points deduction as uh, part of the fan uh, trouble at Melbourne Derby. Um, I, you know, you can't rule them out of a finals race. And especially with Glory, they're going to have more home games kind of, oh, you know, after the, uh, you know, having to travel a fair bit so, early in the season. Um, you know, they've made Macedonia Park a tough place to come. I don't think they're setting the world on fire. I don't think they're, you know, playing great football, but they're playing, they're not playing bad football. They're showing, there's phases in games where they don't look too bad. They've made themselves hard to beat, which is, you know, incredibly important at this level. And I think if they can continue to do that, I wouldn't put a finals run beyond them, partly because, you know, this league is so even. And no team, like, apart from Melbourne City and Central Coast, no team is really taking the initiative and threatening to run away with it. Yes, I I, I agree. Um, And, look, let's look at the tables for both the men and the women, Perth Glory. The women are sitting above... The guys at the moment. Oh, we've hey, got, look at the smile. Yeah, yeah of smile. course, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we've got nine points with the women, and we've got a break this week. Why do we have a break this week? Uh, the Sydney game is there. Maybe players uh, playing in World Cup qualifiers or in camp or something like that. Ben, uh, do you know? Um, yeah. So I believe there was. Um, 
you just let me get my diary? Yeah, good for you. <laughs> you. While you're I'm, doing that, I'll you just and I go both rush for a Perth, Perth Glory men are <laughs> sitting in ninth on the table with 14 points and the women are eighth on the table with nine points. So uh, goals for with the women is uh, 12 goals for out of the nine games. Goals against is 15 uh, out of the nine games. That's the women's. And for the guys, we've got our uh, 12 games played and our 14 points uh, scored 12 goals and conceded 18, which is not so great, I, I feel. Um, yeah, a little bit of change in that space might help us move up the table a little bit. Uh, but 12 goals in 12 games, not too bad. The goal a game? Yeah. Doing all right? I think it's for the, an international women's break. I'm not 100% sure. So, yeah. Yeah, the women's um, so Super League's First, we're due to play Sydney uh, in Sydney today. Yep. But there was an issue with the venue. So um, that's right. Sydney, Someone's just so Pete's just texted me in to to confirm that too. Well done, thank you. Yeah, yeah. unable to come that's up with a been, venue. Um, so yeah, so now it's, so the game's been rescheduled to to the end of the season, which now means Gloria looking at playing. The women will play, I believe it's three games in six days at the end of the season. Ooh. But three of those games will be in a different state. So, uh, oh, fantastic. No, yeah. this is COVID all over peak. again. Unhappy. Is, it's just peak APL scheduling, really. Yeah. Like it's, and, you know, Alex the Packers came out and was quite strong at, about that in a post-game presser last week where he said, you know, it's, it's a player welfare issue. And he hadn't re- at that point, he hadn't received any feedback from the APL over his viewpoint on it, which was, you know, he didn't take kindly to the to the games being rescheduled in such a way. So, yeah. And this is Sydney who are hosting World Cup fixtures. They can't come up with a venue. Well, again, it's... Let's just... go all silent on that part, all right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, yeah, time frame, really. It's, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about other things. Other all good right? things. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what are the other good things? Um uh, men's game is Perth Glory A versus Perth Glory B. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on. kind of a bit funny, isn't it? Right? What, what, really? The yeah, men with what sort of reaction do you think the Glory fans are going to give? Um, I don't Ke- know who's the A and who's Bruno the B. Bruno, if he if he gets on. I I don't know. I I honestly don't know which you know which way it's going to go. Yeah. It's hard to get a gauge back. He was obviously such a fan favourite, but yeah. Uh, you know, the nature of his departure is obviously, you know, didn't reflect well no. on him. But then I think there's also a lot of glory fans who still have a lot of, you know, a lot of love and respect for him. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I might, might even be a case of they boo him during the game and then, you know, cheer, cheer him if he comes off the pitch or, you know, cheer him after the game. I don't know. <laughs> He's a professional. He can take it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, as a professional, you, you block your ears to... Two things, except for crowd cheers, the, you know, the loud noise of in, incentives yep. and encouragement, but the, the bad stuff you tend to tune out absolutely. As Ben, a can I throw you under the bus again? Do, do we know whether yep. Nick Agostino is going to be playing tonight? I know he's got that, that um, he signed for Viking FK. Uh, has that move gone ahead and he won't be playing tonight? Uh, I believe that he, I don't know if he's travelled or not. He was named in the squad. Yeah. Um, and I've you know, Melbourne Victory have announced today that he's leaving. Yep. Um, but as far as I can tell, I'm just actually running through their website. Yeah. I, um, I don't believe 
that he's going to be involved. Yeah, you'd think That's the point, a shame. You'd think he, the Boyan club would player. be going, yeah, we've just given you a, uh, a bucket load of cash. Uh, he's not playing yeah. until he gets off the plane over here. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That'd, that'd, be, good, that'd be a shame. Yeah. For, um, for but a good move for Dagestan. Oh, yeah. Think, uh, yep. You know, uh, you know, the Norwegian league is, you know, probably not. One of the you know one of the biggest in Europe, but he's still going to be going over to Europe where it's a more competitive environment, and I think that's a good, you know, he's proven during his time at A League at Brisbane, at Perth, at Melbourne Victory, but he's got a lot of talent, and uh, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, hey, look, he's improved, and look, shot front over there. He well, David Williams was playing in, in that league, you know, yeah. and it didn't do him any harm. No. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, when are we going to see Adam Taggart play? He picked oh, up a niggly injury. Start. When's he back? Don't When's start. he ready? Next week, I believe the uh, the plan is hopefully he will be back next weekend, along with Salim Khalifi as well, who Ooh. should be uh, recovered from his groin injury by then. And um, yeah, it was just a bit unfortunate. I think um, I think Taggart's last game in the Japanese league was October. So when he arrived in Perth, yeah. he kind of had to undergo it a whole like another preseason while mm. you know. Because he hadn't played in a while, and um, you know, as we know, preseason's right for players picking up small knocks as they kind of, re, you know, they get they try to get their bodies up to speed, and it would have been tough for him as well, I think, you know, because he'd had those couple of months off, wasn't involved in the World Cup, of course, um, and he would have been trying to get himself up, to, you know, get himself match fit whilst the rest of the team was already match fit, fit yeah. and in the thick of you know playing games. So I. I think it's just a bit unfortunate, but by the sounds of it, he should be ready for Wellington away next week. Yeah, and the hassle that Adam obviously had, being that he was a free agent, he could have gone anywhere in the world. He could have been you know, rocking into a team that's middle of their season. He could have been rocking into the team, um, as we've seen now, that um, you know, the Norwegian League in particular, they have a summer break, uh, winter break. So that, uh, that would have been a, a difficult situation for him to... To navigate, and um, like I said, Ben, unfortunately, pre-seasons often have some of the worst injuries that you find. Yeah, mm. yeah Nani's copped his uh, ACL and Riley yeah. Baston from yeah. Glory, same. Yeah, yeah. And from what I hear, that uh, the, the victory are going to keep Nani on, which I don't know whether that's a, there's a clause to get out there because, I mean, by the time he gets back, he's going to be, what, 57, 58? <laughs> Ouch. Well, half, half, his, half his contract is going to be um, out with injury. Yeah. So. Hang on, that sounds like someone else. Oh, that, no. Uh, well, Sturridge. yeah, but we didn't sign mm. him for three years, though. No, we did not. <laughs> no. Mm. Yeah, well, that's so, disappointing, that. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, it is. Uh, um, what else is uh, across the table? What's been in the news with the Western football this week, Ben? What have you been writing about? Um, well, just I think tonight's big blockbuster clash has been up there, yeah. uh, you know, it's obviously a lot of interest in that given, you know, Tony Popovich, not just Tony Popovich and Bruno Fornaroli, but, you know, Chris Economides, yep. Jake Grimmer, yep. uh, you know, uh, Matthew Speranovich, I believe, has been named as well. Uh, he's obviously a glory fan fra- favourite from his one season here. <laughs> he um, was okay. Know, I think, <laughs> yeah. He was, I mean, Matthew Speranovich, I thought, was an excellent centre-back and, you know, I'm glad we got him for one season over at Glory and, um, but yeah, just in extension of that, obviously a bit of a fallout from Ella Mastro Antonio's uh, sending off. Yes. Um, she has the club are going to appeal the three game ban. Oh. Uh, they should have uh, you know should have a date set for set for that um, early next week, I believe, or sometime next week is um, what I've been told. So um, I'm you know I think it's going to be very hard for us to get 
Yeah. And, you know, if I, 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 if I put my referee's cap I'm, on, she was she was off yeah. first. Like yeah. I, I thought the referee got yeah. the order incorrect there because you punished the more uh, serious offence, and Ella was kicking the crap out of her while she was on the ground. Yeah. And I thought, sorry, Ella, you're first off, and you're. Just uh, uh, put your referee hat on with that. Yep. The um, I, I can't remember the the opposition player. The ball between her knees and was holding the ball between her knees, so Ella could not get the ball. What what's she supposed to do? You don't keep crap out of them. Okay, so the player who had the ball between her knees was free holding kick. it there. Free kick. Okay. Would have been free. Would have been Ella's free kick. Like you you, you put in the yeah. challenge, mm-hmm. and, and and that it it's not the same as handball, but. Uh, the, the restart would have been a direct free kick. So Ella, to, to Ella stops, referee blows free kick. Ella's gone, all right, well, if you're going to do that, let me just kick, 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 kick. Mm. And, of course, she gets up and goes, well, I've had enough of that, push. Yeah. Ella first off, sorry, come here, retaliation, you're off as well, yeah. see you later. But um, I think yeah, the referee got I, it right she, with the, the Oh, without a doubt. Cards, yeah. yeah, and as you say, Ben, it's sorry. going to be very, very unlikely she's getting off of that. And I'm not sure whether the national... Um, PND board is the same as the state PND board, but when you used to do those sorts of uh, appeals at the state PND board, they'd go, "Yeah, you were you were always going to walk. Now you've wasted our time. Here's a couple of extra weeks on top of that mm-hmm. as well." So hopefully they don't do that to her. I thought three weeks was a tad harsh. Yeah, but, and I think but, they might. And that could be what they they're appealing about. That not not so much the offence, the the punishment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see I that being that, reduced. Yeah, I think it's going to be. It's going to be tough for them to get it reduced, yep. but I also, you know, I, I tend to agree. I thought three weeks was a bit was a bit harsh. Mm. Ben, we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for your time today, oh, yeah. young man, very young man, seeing as uh, you were just born in the year of Perth kangaroos uh. eventuating. <laughs> <laughs> but the wealth of knowledge is more than I've got. <laughs> Good on you, Hugh. Ben, have a fantastic weekend and enjoy yourself, and we'll catch you next time. No worries. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks very much, Ben. See ya. Ben Smith, WA News. Yep. Catching us up with everything Perth Glory, games at Macedonia Park tonight. Don't know if there's any tickets left available. Maybe someone can message uh, us or put something on the Facebook page and... Give us a bit of an update. Well, and that's been the, the issue, with, particularly with the men's side of things, that, uh, that reduced Stadium. capacity. Yeah. Um, but, again, a sellout's a sellout. So yep. if Mr Sage is listening, you know, you get that boutique stadium of ten to 15,000, you sell it out every week, happy days. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go to break, Hugh. Ooh. Come back and chat some more football after that. You bet. This is Penn and Hugh on the World Football Program. Keep listening in. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Without you, we might not make it. To survive, we need your chanting, ranting, stamping, shouting, flag waves, olays, claps, cheers, even your tears. Pledge your support, because if you're not there, we might be history. 
Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Hugh with you until 12. And Simon Hill is our guest on the line. Good afternoon, Simon. Hello, guys. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Simon. Very good, thanks. We've uh, been filling in all of the things that have happened over the last yep. four weeks or so since we were on air last and uh, moving on to what's happening in the biggest stage outside of Perth and A-League and so forth. Um, so we left that Tottenham game for you to uh, start the conversation with. The, the Tottenham game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear Pep going I'll on that? T- I'll just talk about the second half, if you don't mind. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> Pep going on about uh, Antonio Conte, saying that the, the Spurs are playing like a team already relegated. I thought that was a bit harsh. Did okay. he say that? Yeah. The, the, Did he? Yeah, the, the, wow. They're playing like a defending okay. team and have forgotten how to suffer. I thought, oh, that's, uh, that's a bit uh, ungracious of you <laughs> there, Pep. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it, uh, to be honest, I hadn't seen those quotes. If he did say that, you're absolutely right. There's no need to say that, particularly when you've won a game. Oh, is it, sorry, oh, I, is it, no, no, it wasn't Pep. Sorry, my mistake. It was Antonio. It was the same game. So Antonio is saying that about his own <laughs> team. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I, had to, I had to read a little bit further down. I thought, yeah, that's unlike Pep. No, that was Antonio singing the boot in his own team. I didn't think that sounded like Pep. No. So, is <laughs> we, that Antonio? we leave that to Jurgen Klopp normally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't start me on Kloppy. So you think that's Antonio... Uh, trying to get himself sacked for a third or fourth time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, he's <clears throat> within his rights to be frustrated. I mean, oh, if yeah. you go turn up uh, at the Etihad, uh, you know, with uh, 45 minutes to go, you expect you got at least a point out. Oh, yeah. Right? And they they just collapsed in the second half. And look, to be fair, City, you know, when City get on a roll, we're pretty much irresistible. We've got, we've got some fantastic players. So it is, it is difficult, but... Uh, I think if you put yourself in that position, you can be rightly aggrieved that you don't get anything out of the game. And uh, to just to cop four goals in 45 minutes, and to be fair, it could have been more. Um, <laughs> it probably speaks volumes. And he's, he, you know, he's, he's sending a message out to his players that uh, that that's not good enough. And he's, you know, he's clearly under a bit of, a bit of pressure, which is fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, they won't be the first team to suffer at the hands of City like <laughs> that. Oh yeah, that's right. Um... What do you think of the future of uh, Hugo Lloris at Tottenham? It, it must be. It well, must I think there's got to be a question mark against him, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that was you know a high-profile error that he made against City, and yep. uh, that was on the back of the, the one in the North London derby yep. as well. Uh, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. Make no bones about it. You know, he's still playing for France at the World Cup in Qatar. Um, but every player has his you know time when uh, he, he mm. needs to be moved on and. And maybe maybe that's you know coming pretty soon for for Lloris. and it it may well be that if Conte is going to stick around, which is by no means guaranteed, no. and you know rebuild that squad, maybe that's one area he will look at. Would have to be, yeah. Landing closer to home. Oh, by the way, a couple of messages have come in. My mum says hello to you, Simon. I think she's just getting hello, excited mom. that I'm back on air. <laughs> 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 good on your mum. <laughs> And uh, Dave Conn has popped up and said, good morning. Great to hear you guys back on the transistor again. Good morning to you, Dave. Thanks for tuning in. Um, just locally, Simon. The transistor. I haven't heard that I know. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave, you might be showing your age a bit there, mate. No, no, we know what it is. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's so many ways to tune in to a radio these days, and you don't actually have to tune in. When we say tune in, well, if it's streaming, you're not really tuning in, are you? Like, it's just some kind of social of platform where you just uh, hit a button. And, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, the world's changed. Yep. 
<laughs> Holy heck, yes. Can you imagine what Les Murray would have gone through in his time in football, how it would have changed from when the first time he walked into well, a studio to the end? I could tell you, even yeah. the first time I walked into a, a radio newsroom, because I started in radio, and we had the old clucky typewriters, you know, the, the manual <laughs> oh, yeah. typewriters, and the landline telephones, yeah. and uh, there was no such thing as ISDN, which is the modern-day you know sound system, which gives you studio quality. Yeah. Uh, commentaries were done on uh, something called a, a reporter phone, which is essentially a telephone with a couple of sockets into headphones and microphones. So it's it's light years away. And I, I used to I used to fax clubs asking fax. for ten pictures of players because of course there was no internet yeah. when I first started. Yeah. You know, you had to fact check uh, via the Rothmans football yearbook. That's uh, right. Yep. So that's that's all within my career lifetime, and it's uh, yeah, it's chalk and cheese today. Yeah. I'm that that just particular to... company sponsored the gold uh, the gold medal here. Yeah, I, I'm just trying yeah. to think. When did mobile phones come into being? Because late nineties. Okay, I think I had my first one in ninety seven or ninety eight, and they, they, were, they were the big clunky the, Nokia. The bricks. Remember those things? <laughs> yeah. yeah, big bricks. Uh, they wouldn't fit in your pocket. No. You had to, you had to put them on a, the they had their own seat on a plane. They were that yes, big. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember when we first started, we were in a different studio and there was a lot more buttons and wires and things to operate and I was in no way behind the panel like I am now, Simon. And I remember yeah. speaking with Mr. DeVray earlier on in the piece and... I'm pretty sure it was not a mobile. I'm pretty sure it was a landline somewhere. And it was you know, between yep. at 90 and 95, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so we didn't have access to people like we do now. We can, like, ring you on your mobile and say, hold, please, and, and press That's a button right. somewhere. Very different. Yeah. I, we, used to, we used to do... Um we used to edit interviews in my early radio days on the old big reel-to-reels. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, the white pencils the white to pencil. mark your edit points, yeah. which were called China graphs. And yes. you, would, you would literally physically cut pieces cut. of tape out with, with a razor blade. Yeah. yeah, you could come home with cuts all over your fingers. <laughs> you cut and join things and whatever. Yeah, whoa. Well, that's going back some. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, Happy yeah. Days. Well, it, it's certainly a lot more, well, I don't know, I was going to say intense, but there's, uh, you know, a lot more you can pack into, like, maybe an hour of football now if you're on a show, so to speak, inverted commas, where you can have a, a computer handy yep. and a phone yep. and be looking at information. Yep. Just, wow, packed in. Whew. Yeah. So let's it's go for different. it. So locally, what's the wash oh. of the World Cup on Australian football, are we waiting for the registrations to open and numbers, or should there have been something from the end of the World Cup and the final to now that is still in our minds that the Socceroos did really well and have we done it okay? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the, the problem really was is that we had this brilliant World Cup, yep. and we thought, yeah, terrific. We've got then seven or eight months before the Women's World Cup, mm -hmm. and you know, we've got this uh, fantastic opportunity to leverage that, not just in terms of participation numbers, which, to be honest, are never a problem in Australia. That's, that's never been our issue. Uh, more pertinently, to get more bums on seats in both the A-League men's and A-League women. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, what happened was uh, the APL, that runs the two leagues, decided mm. to sell three grand finals to Sydney and the whole thing blew up. Um and, mm. you know, since then, we've had, obviously, the, the issues in Melbourne with uh, fans misbehaving. 
So now we've got what is essentially a, a blanket ban on active fans, yeah. certainly in Melbourne and uh, a lot of other fans around the country being put very heavily under the microscope for something that wasn't their fault. And uh, as per usual, we've taken a double-barrel shotgun to our own foot yep. and blown our toes off. <laughs> Um, I, I don't quite know why we continue to do this, but, uh, yeah, it's all very frustrating. And um, so the, the short answer to your question, have we leveraged the World Cup effectively? Uh, the answer is no. And it's damn frustrating that we haven't been able to. But uh, this is the game of football in Australia, as you well know. Um, yes, we know. Give, yeah. us, give us an opportunity from two yards out and somehow we'll blaze it over the crossbar. Yeah. Simon, what would you have said that would have leveraged the World Cup? What are some of the things in your mind that that would have happened? Well, I mean, essentially, all those fans that turned up in their thousands to watch the Socceroos in the middle of the night yep. in all the cities around the country... I would have been at those live sites. Maybe the clubs were. I don't know. I was in Qatar myself, so I wasn't there. But I would have been there handing out either free tickets or membership packs or scarves or shirts or, you know, something and saying, listen, you love football, clearly, because you're here. So why why not come and give your local club a go? Mm. And, uh, you know, let's get this atmosphere built on a weekly basis in your own city every every week of the year. Um, Absolutely. for whatever reason, that has not happened and we haven't had that kick on. And unfortunately, that trouble has been a big part of it. It was precipitated by that decision, which, look, I know the A-League clubs need the money. I completely get that. But to do it in the week of the Melbourne Derby, if there was one club in the country that was going to cause a ruckus about that decision, (laughs) it was going to be Melbourne victory. And they did it in the build-up to the, the Melbourne Derby. It's mind-boggling, but there you go. Yep. What's the wash post the debacle that was for Melbourne victory on the league? Besides, give us a little bit of a wrap of what Melbourne victory got slapped with and the effect on the league. Well, they've got a hefty fine, which is around about half a million dollars. I think it's the biggest football history in this country, mm. uh, which they can ill afford, given that they just posted losses of about six million. Yes. Um, their active fans have been banned for the rest of the season. Um, they are not allowed to sell away tickets and okay. for the rest of the season. And, um, yeah, it, essentially they've had a 10-point deduction uh, placed hanging over their heads. It's suspended at the moment, but if there are any recurrences of, of those horrible scenes at the Melbourne Derby, then they'll get a 10-point deduction uh, for each incident. So uh, it's pretty severe, but it, it was warranted because uh, those scenes were awful. Yes. Um, no place in football for that. And unfortunately, it's happened to our biggest and one of mo- our most successful clubs. So, of course, it's had an impact on their attendances and, and therefore... You know, driven the the average attendance of of the men's competition uh, down quite significantly, and uh, unfortunately, that was something we couldn't afford because we were just at the point. It felt anyway, just at the point, and maybe with the World Cup as a bit of momentum on the back of it, that we were starting to turn a yeah. corner and and crowds were starting to climb. And uh, as I say, as per usual, we've killed that stone dead. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> unfortunately, this is the history yeah. of football in Australia, and. Uh, Quite why that should be the case, I don't know, but uh, 
it is you know, horribly exasperating that it continues to occur. What I find uh, annoying, though, Simon, is that we've seen these scenes in the... And I'm doing the air quotations here. The National Code, uh, we've seen crowd behaviour of, uh, of appalling uh, uh, scenes at AFL games. But unfortunately, due to the media uh, content that that particular game seems to be able to manipulate... They were always yeah. pushed under the under the bus, and we never hear about that again. Whereas this particular well, one and, and, and other issues are always regurgitated as this is you know the thuggery of, of football. Yeah, what football is, which is not what we're all about. Well, no. Look, you're right, and uh, you know, unfortunately, that is the stigma, the cross that the game has to bear, which is why you know our supporters need to be whiter than white because yeah. we always know that any incident in football is is magnified. And it just opens the door to all those old stereotypes that it's, you know, the game of Sheila's Wogs, Pufters. Yeah. Uh, Great book. You know, ethnic, signed it for me. Rivalry, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, unfortunately, that's what we have to deal with. And, you know, I can't defend uh, those no. scenes that we saw in Melbourne. You just, you can't. No. Um, because they were horrible. So, you know, you can point out inconsistencies when they happen, but, when when fans invade the pitch and throw a bucket at a goalkeeper and cut his face yep, open, yep. no, you're right. You know, I can't defend that. No, I can't. So let's so, let let's flip to what's working now. Then, yep. Don't what's be so, working? Yeah, don't don't be, <laughs> don't be so silent now. Come on. So let's say well, general what about the, the decision to to move the uh, the the Australia uh, Island game to the to the bigger stadium. How do you feel about that one, Simon? Do you, do you think that maybe, and I, we spoke about this earlier in the show, that maybe Football Australia or FIFA should have been looking at the biggest stadiums available in each particular uh, host state initially, a, 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 anyway, as yeah. as the, the base point? Because we saw with the uh, the Euros in England just last year yeah. that uh, a lot of, in retrospect, they're saying like the, a, a stadium like Brentford was was too small. That they were going to yeah. some of the regional stadiums and going, "Oops, we should have got the biggest stadium. They should have got Arsenal. They should have got Tottenham." So but, there was a but, transition and a bit of confusion. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, yeah, but look, I mean, I, I fully uh, support the fact that they want to move the Matildas game to the biggest stadium in Sydney mm-hmm. because I don't think there's any doubt that the Matildas will sell out yes. for the you know for their opening game at the World Cup. On home soil, uh, that, that's completely justified. With, with the other games, uh, it, it's a bit of an unknown. Okay. And my personal feeling is, okay, you don't want to, you know, put games in. A, I think a four thousand seat stadium, which I think they did for the Euros in England, yep. one or two of the matches. Yep. But you know, I would I would rather see a full stadium with two thousand people locked out, complaining about not being able to get <laughs> tickets, yep. because that shows that there's demand. Yep. Rather than play it, for example, uh, at Optus Stadium in Perth, in a sixty thousand seat stadium with only twenty thousand people inside, therefore killing the atmosphere. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, and too often in our sports in this country in recent history. We've done that because we've, you know, we've looked at the big stadium and said, well, if we're going to get thirty thousand, that's too big for HBF Park. So let's let's go and get the extra yeah. cash, rather than think about uh, the atmosphere that you know twenty thousand full house would have provided. So it's it's a balance, obviously, but um, uh, for me, I, th- I think for most of the games, the Matildas are probably an exception, and probably the football ferns over mm-hmm. in New Zealand as well because they're at home too. Yes. Um, but I, I think for most of the games, you know, they're, they're probably right to go for the lower or, or medium-sized 
stadiums rather than just go for these you know, huge ovals that we have all over Australia that are not built for our code of football. No. Growth pains. We're still growing. I'm talking about women's football. Yeah, we're 100 years of growing. Yeah, and we're doing it pretty damn fast in the last, mm. uh, I don't know, 10 years or so, Simon. I was well, just saying earlier in the program how we didn't talk about women's football much. I mean, I probably talked about it more than anybody in the entire universe yep. forever. But um, in terms of in the public profile and media, we didn't talk a lot about women's football. It's only in the last, I don't know, five or six years where its professionalism has gone through yeah. the Sam roof. Era, and, I that's right. We've got Australian players playing professional leagues. Lisa Devanagh being, comparably, the Sam Kerr of her generation, yet that is slightly overlooked, that particular generation, whereas our yep. generation now, we're, we, we're looking to see Lydia yep. Williams signing for, it's for, right for Brighton for PSG. You think it's happening currently. Any Australian yep. player that was playing for PSG now and then signing for an, uh, an English Premier League side, you'd be, it'd be front-page news. Lydia's done that. It's like, well, you have to dig for that. So yep. we're still, like you say, Penny, a long way to go. Yeah, but... yeah a lot of growth to happen. It's great. Mm. Uh, watching it well, happen is that, fantastic. That's, that's a, that's a whole-of-game problem, not, yep. not a female football problem. Um, now, if... You know, we've, we've got a lot of male players overseas and they, they sign for big clubs and you have to dig for those stories yeah, as well. True enough true. as well. Um, yeah. it's, it's, but you're right that the women's game has grown in prominence over the last 10 to 15 years, uh, which is great. The, the issue, again, and it's the same with the men, is when the Socceroos play, when the Matildas play, the whole country tunes in and the stadiums are full. Yep. But you go to a Liberty A-League game, you go to an Isuzu A-League game, and, and the stands are empty. Yeah. And that's the transition that we have to try and somehow fix mm. from international football to domestic football because people in Australia instinctively rally around the national flag, no matter what sport it is. But they don't necessarily translate that into support for their club side and that is the bread and butter of the game the international yeah. stuff is the icing on the cake and it's it's wonderful but it happens once every four years or once every two months in terms of a fixture you know the the week in week out stuff of club football is the the health of the game yeah and that's what we have to we have to fix and focus on to get more people to come and pay their money to support those professional clubs. Because if they don't, we'll end up without professional leagues in both men's and women's codes. And that's that's going to damage the international brands. So we, we've got to stop looking at the stars before we're climbing the stairs. Um, and unfortunately, we we continue to get things, I, I think, the wrong way around in this country. Yeah, it's yeah. understandable because they're the successful brands, the international teams, and the ones that people really love. But... Uh, we, we've got to make that transition to club yeah. football, the same as it is throughout the, the rest of the world. Now, you're talking about women's football. I, I saw uh, Arsenal play Chelsea last week in uh, the Emirates Stadium in London. I think there was 40,000 yep. people there. Yep. Um, we can't get 4,000 to watch no. our two best clubs. No. So that's a massive problem. Yes. Um, and no, we've got to fix it. When Sam Kerr was playing for the glory... <coughs> We were not filling stadiums. No, you weren't getting near really half full. Yeah. It was, and they were small stadiums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but again, that's, you know, that's on the clubs mm. to create that connection with their communities. And I, I don't think that they've been good enough at developing uh, their identities in those local communities yeah. and connecting with the football fans uh, in those communities. You know, there's still this 
aspiration to go after the mainstream fan. Well, look after your football fans. Yeah, that's right. Get them to come along. Um, The people who support the Premier League or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich get up in the middle of the night to watch their teams in Europe. They're the football fans. Those are the people we have to convince to come out and watch their local teams. They're the, you know, they're the people who understand the game. The mainstream will come along eventually if, if the crowds get bigger because they get curious. Yes. Uh, that's what happened with the Wanderers many years ago. That's right. Um, but unfortunately, we've, we've not been good at, uh, at cultivating you know, those, uh, the most important people in the game. And I keep repeating this, and they are the supporters because without them, you've got no professional ma- uh, game. More things happening. The Matildas Cup of Nations is happening in February with uh, Czechia, Spain, Jamaica and Australia. <clears throat> all games are over east, by the way. Lovely to be in your part of the world, Simon. Get all these games happening over there. Not so great over here in Perth. Well, you know, Penn, just, just on that, and I know that Perth in particular does a lot of whinging when it comes to <laughs> yes, <laughs> the national That's team yep. playing over on the eastern seaboard. You know, it's nothing to do with Eastern Seaboard bias. If no. the WA government would tip in the money... That's right. I tell you now, Football Australia will be over to WA in a flash. The, the, the fact of the matter yeah. is is that the New South Wales government puts a lot of money into yeah. football, and they need that money. So yeah. WA doesn't really have that much of an interest in it. Um, it's the same in Queensland to a certain degree. Uh, it's Sydney and Melbourne that is prepared to put up the dollars because, uh, you know, hosting these events costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So... You know, your local government is is uh, the organisation to which to direct your complaints, not 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 football. I will get Dave Templeman <laughs> on the show. He's related to Miranda Templeman and our but, webmaster Nick Templeman, so he's got to cop it. That's why Glory went involved in that festival of football last year. The festival of football. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because the state government went. Dipped in. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Simon, we're going to leave it there. Thanks so much for Thanks, joining Simon. us. Enjoy whatever football comes your yep. way. I'm sure there's lots more of it over there than there is here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going no to problem, guys. Time. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Thanks Simon. Simon. See ya. Ta-da. There you go. That's Simon oh. Hill, who is the best match commentator in you Australia bet. and pretty much good to have a banter about yeah, yeah. anything football. So we can throw anything his way and it always uh, bounces around. And so I had to start with that Man City. Get him on side right from the word go. 4-2, they beat Tottenham. Yep. And, yeah, they were, they were yeah, in, in a bit of, uh, bit of doo-doo. But then, of course, uh, they went, oh, that's right. We've got a couple of more gears above this one. Let's just put it into third. 4-2. Crikey. We're finishing up because Len and Bag's groove yep. and his jazz show is coming in. Hugh, thanks so much. My for pleasure. Being my sidekick co-host and team member today. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, normal football resumes again from ten o'clock on one hundred seven point nine FM next Saturday. No, thank doesn't. you, everybody. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us and uh, all of our partners: Oswest Fencing and Rod Iron Gate and Fence Hardware and Futsal WA. We appreciate everyone and everything mm-hmm. about football. Next week it is. See you, everybody. Bye. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.